0: Welcome to the Rise for Educators podcast, the podcast where we share research-based tools that relate to empowerment, self-care, and all things education. Each week, we discuss the Rise system,
1: a model we created to make it which self-care tools are the best for you. We also talk about the ladder, a tool that connects the dots between your mind and your body.
0: I'm Julie. And I'm Holly. We are instructional coaches and sisters-in-law who decided to take our conversations about these ideas out of the corner of our family gatherings and put them into a podcast. Welcome to episode 50.
1: Today we are (laughs) interviewing Roman Nowak, a high school English teacher from Rockland, Ontario. Our friend Barbara Gruner, who's the queen of social connections, recommended that we interview Roman and we really
0: loved our chat with him. Through our conversation, we learned that Roman is a master social connector. He's almost like the Rihanna of the virtual world. He has a really great vibe about him. He's super positive, And it was uplifting just talking with him, which made us realize he is actually an awesome example of an uplifter in action. We talk about uplifters in our episode 45. Uplift is an acronym that stands for U, Unbox People's Potential. P, Praise People. L, Listen. I, Include. F, Feature and T, trust.
1: Yeah. I love talking to Roman uh-huh. because he just exudes this like ultra positive vibe. And um, he really embodies this idea of connecting with other people and seeking these connections and not only seeking the connection, but truly learning from other people and building on those connections.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think uplifters kind of people that empower other people, but they also receive benefits. In fact, the research has shown when you give a compliment, you get a positivity boost that this is likely because our mirror neurons pick up the other person's positive reaction and mimic it.
0: So listen in as we talk with Roman, someone who embodies uplifting in action. We hope you are as uplifted by this interview with Roman as we were. I want to hear about your book.
2: Yeah. So, uh, I don't have a specific date. We're slated for spring, 2021. Uh, this pandemic has really, uh, thrown scheduling. Like even my own work schedule has been completely thrown out of whack. Uh, but it's been a passion project of mine for probably four to five years. Uh, I've sort of been taking notes, writing things down. And then I'd say I started a Twitter chat two years ago in about three weeks. Uh, called Build Hope EDU. Uh, and I started talking to a lot of people about, to me, I find in education, we're sort of lacking that foundation of how to share hope, how to keep hope, everything we do, how to sort of have a lens of, of hope, of positivity. And so that just became my focus. And so when I decided uh, to write this book, I have like every chapter uh, has someone that's writing their personal story that sort of fits in that chapter. Because to me, Hope is all about building community. And so I didn't want it to be a book of just me talking. It had to be the voice of a community. So I have almost 20 educators that are sharing stories and we're all talking about. So it's building hope, the courage to change, to teach and to lead. And so those are sort of the three lenses that I look at hope for in education.
1: And is hope an acronym then?
2: uh it is but right now i'm not releasing what the acronym is uh, I've had a lot of people ask me because when i write it i i have the periods at the end of each each one but that's sort of going to be the surprise when i'm going to be putting out the teasers for the book later in the spring
0: so wait you have 20 other educators that have written the chapters
2: uh no they've written little spotlights within the chapters okay so what I did is I asked these educators, I sort of gave them a theme or an idea. And I'm like, I just want you to write from your heart. And then with everybody's uh, written piece, I then mold my vision in my book to that story. Because I, I guess my own vision when I was writing this book is, I mean, I have a lot to say and I think it's important, but I don't think just my words are as important unless it comes from a group of people. And so, I look at what I believe. I look at the lens of the stories of the educators that they're sharing with us. And then I sort of try and put those two together after. So instead of trying to get my my collaborators to, here's what I'm writing now, try and make your story fit into my narrative. I'm actually trying to make my narrative and my message fit around the stories of our community.
0: Mm -hmm. And how did you recruit the educators?
2: Uh, There are different educators that I met over the last three to four years. I think in there, there's only one, maybe three educators that I actually met in person. And it's, uh, I guess, part of my hope journey is also meeting all these amazing educators virtually over the last four to five years uh, and building connection and building that global community, which I think is important. And so uh, in the last five years, as I've cultivated those relationships, well, when I was thinking of, okay, what do I want to write? okay, that person uh, is important for this chapter. So let me reach out. Oh, that person is important for this chapter. And so it was a long process to make sure to get in touch with everyone, give them the time to uh, in the midst of the pandemic to sort of share their story. And then now sort of put the finishing touches with my narrative and their stories together.
0: Oh, that sounds amazing. So did you connect with a lot of these people through your build hope Twitter chat?
2: Uh, Most of them actually, it was even before the chat, uh, through other chats, uh, social media, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and then we just sort of started exchanging messages, uh, replying to each other's posts, and then after that, uh, Voxer groups, uh, text messages, Uh, a few of them I ended up meeting because either I traveled or they traveled, uh, and then hopefully eventually with this book, I'll be able to actually physically meet every single one in person. That's going to be my hope for the future.
0: Oh my God. I love that. That is, that is so I, cool. When
1: I look at your Twitter, it is so uplifting. And I was laughing because as I was looking at it, like my smile was growing and it's just filled with positivity. If there are other people that are in that lane, which I think a lot of our listeners are, are there certain chats or, are places that we can go to kind of find this kind of community?
2: Uh, I think and so Twitter chats, I guess I'm going to preface, they take a lot of time and commitment. And I mean, it's like building a relationship, you have to invest that time in the relationship. And I guess what I want to tell people, because I felt this a lot, is once you participate in those chats, and you get to know the people when you miss the chat, you have this big sense of guilt because you feel like, well, I'm accountable to be there because I built that connection. And I want to sort of give people that permission. If you can't make it to every week, please don't feel bad. I've had people apologize. I'm sorry, I can't make it. I've had this family thing and that. And you know what, it's there as a community, you come in when you can, you participate. Please don't anybody ever feel bad because I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Uh, There are interesting chats almost every day and it goes with people's schedules. Uh, I mean, I started with Twitter and everything with the, the Teach Like a Pirate crew and Dave Burgess, uh, who I got to know. So uh, there's a chat on Mondays with TLAP. On Tuesdays, there's Culture Ed and Champ for Kids that I love to pop in when I can. Uh, and there's Codebreaker uh EDU, which is actually through the publishing company that I'm doing my book. There's a, a chat at 8 p.m uh wednesdays there's education never dies i got my beginning through the kids deserve it chat which unfortunately doesn't exist anymore but that's how i met phenomenal teachers and if you haven't read that book that was uh, one of the first sort of pd books that got me started with twitter and everything uh thursdays i have uh g2 great uh which is a great chat mastery chat uh, on Fridays is probably the, the slow night because I mean, everyone's tired on a Friday. <laughs> Saturday morning, there are so many amazing chats, uh, Edu Gladiators Lead Up Chat, Sat Chat, Lead Like a Pirate Chat, which has done an amazing job at doing some anti-active, uh, sorry, not anti active anti-racism and activism work in the last year. Uh, and then even Sundays, well, that's when I have my chat to me was Sundays was the beginning of my week. Uh, as I'm getting ready for the week that's why I chose Sundays uh, and there's even a teach pause so it's all about positivity which is at 7:30 uh, p.m eastern so anyways, if you even do a google search for twitter chats there are so many calendars that exist there are so many out there specific to subjects but it's just sort of a hit and miss go read a little you don't have to participate in all of them and it's just to slowly get into it and I've sort of been up and down there are times where I'm in there like eight times a week and other times where it's two three and we just have to find that balance with everything in life
0: Mm -hmm. okay that's interesting so you're uh we also interviewed um Melissa Hayes this week yes she was um talking all about Twitter chats which Holly and I have not done any of so I think Holly universe is speaking to us yes I think so too it's like we're like hey I don't know. Um, it's like, a, It's like a, for some reason, it's a weird thing to delve into. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but um, I think we just need to find like our niche. But she, everyone, it seems like that's a, a great place to go. How many people would you say are in each chat group? I'm sure it varies, but the groups that you participate in. Just I mean,
2: it's going to vary, but most chats, uh, if they're well-established, you'll have anywhere between 20 and 80 people. And so, I mean, mine's a half an hour chat. So, I mean, it goes by really fast. There are some chats that are one hour, but I mean, if you have 40 people exchanging on several questions, there's a lot of stuff to go through. So we end up using, most of us use TweetDeck to sort of help ourselves get organized, which once you have a Twitter TweetDeck, just links to your Twitter and you can set up columns based on the different hashtags. You can uh, set up tweets ahead of time. Uh, So it's just a great organizational tool to follow several chats at once.
1: I mean, I think that's, those are amazing uh, suggestions as far as the virtual world. We had talked earlier and you're currently in person. So how do you spread the word to your colleagues that you work with each day?
2: So to me, it's, I mean, the biggest thing is going to be modeling. Like I don't have as many colleagues, like in my school, I'm probably one of the The pioneers, I'm in the Twitter chats, I'm listening to podcasts every day. And I think regionally and even between countries, everyone's at a different level with technology. And now with the pandemic, even so much so different in what we can participate in. So what I try and do is whatever my learning is, I try and share some of the learning, but also model it. So when I talk about building hope, when I talk about, let's say, sharing positivity, this week, for example, is Random Acts of Kindness Week. Uh, And actually yesterday was Random Act of Kindness Day. So there's the middle every Wednesday of that week in February. And so leaving little gifts, leaving little notes, dropping things off, but it's trying to lead by example. And I mean, even my students have a project in my English class where they have to do Random Acts of Kindness and create a video after and talk about how they felt doing it because a lot of them feel awkward doing it. We live in a society where we're so used to doing so many things, but the minute you have to film yourself doing something nice, you feel very weird and it shouldn't be that way because I mean we should all feel good doing it but for some reason it's this awkward feeling so I'm trying to get my students used to it and so they have I'm gonna have a whole bunch of videos on random acts of kindness next week for my kids
1: one of the things I noticed it says that you're an agent of transformation so how would you love to see education transform?
2: And it's, it's funny, I love Brene Brown, and she has two podcasts that I listen to, and she had one a few weeks back where, and again, it has a business sort of background, but it's a book that I ended up buying, and it's all about culture renovation. So I'm sort of in this, do I talk about transformation or do I talk about renovation? And there are, there are pros and cons to both, because we can't keep overhauling education every single year, and that's transformation is completely redoing, rebuilding your foundation. Uh, we've done a lot of work so far. So I'm at the point, do we still need to transform? Are we at the point of renovating? I'm still doing research and I'm still debating in my head. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the biggest pieces of transformation is that I'm going to use the acronym, which I'm not a fan of, but the SEL, so that social emotional component Mm -hmm. that I find what I'm trying to do with hope is how can we really put kids and staff at the center of everything we do how can we start with them and their heart and their priorities and then build everything on top of that because I think right now we still have this mentality of schools are there to learn content Mm -hmm. schools are there to learn skills but these are academic skills and I think we need to really enlarge that definition and say we're there to help kids develop themselves and staff too because one of the things that I like to put in sort of my my presentation of who I am is I'm a lifelong learner. I haven't stopped learning and every day, every week I learn. Mm-hmm. And I think if kids see me as a learner, well then they're not as scared to see themselves as a learner and take risks themselves and, and colleagues themselves too. Because I mean, if anything with virtual and remote, mm-hmm. we have done a lot of learning in the past year as educators.
0: I mean, we really have. Um, and it's almost like a lot of people we've talked to are like education, like things weren't going well. And this is sort of jumbled everything up. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping that it's sort of, like you said, like rather than calling it SEL, sort of like building up like foundations of hope and and like environments of SEL, not putting it like on the top as content. Um, is that part of your book, your hope book?
2: Uh, it's definitely a part of my book. <laughs> and I think that's the whole idea. And I mean, every time we come up with, uh, new ideas, and if I'm thinking SEL, that's really taken taking over education, we right away think, okay, what kind of package can I create for this SEL? Mm-hmm. How can I create content to teach SEL? And instead, it has to be, well, how can I build, let's say, my school mission and vision on SEL? Mm-hmm. And then once I have that foundation, well, every decision I make, every content decision I make should go through that lens of SEL. So social emotional learning doesn't become content. It becomes the lens with which I then teach all my other content. And I think that shift sort of needs to happen for us to really put the focus on what's important in education.
0: I like shift thinking like we just need to shift a little bit, not totally like we can't keep re, you know, redesigning education year after year, but we need to make little shifts.
2: Yeah, definitely. Because I think if we keep reinventing, I mean, we're going to tire everyone out. And I mean, yes, things to overall, and I mean, I always have the reflection. Right now, if schools aren't focusing on anti-racism or aren't talking about activism
0: mm-hmm.
2: in schools, well, we're doing a big disservice to schools. We can't just pretend it doesn't exist or say, well, right now we have to deal with the virtual stuff because that's there. Well, no, our kids and what they're going through, that's what we have to deal with. Right. And so right. I think if we just shift some perspectives and shift some priorities, then we're already starting off in the right direction.
0: Yeah.
1: I like that and I kind of like, you know, having that vision out there. Are there some, maybe like a few actionable steps that you can suggest to our listeners um, that are hoping to spread some hope and use this SEL lens, including anti-racism that people could tomorrow apply in their classroom?
2: Uh, I think one of the first things is talk with your kids, talk with your students. Oftentimes, any decisions we make, we make them as adults. Uh, The admin's going to have a a central office directive come down. They're going to talk with the admin team, talk with the teachers. Okay, this is what we're going to do. Instead, let's shift that. Let's have the educators start talking with the kids. How are you feeling? What's going on? What are you trying to process? They can then bring that back then together as a community. Then we can start shifting our narrative as a school. But right now, I think what I'm seeing and what I'm hoping is going to change is right now, leadership needs to take care of our staff so our staff can take care of our kids. I think right now, so many people are jumping on kids are their priorities, which they are. But then we're forgetting about all the adults in our school buildings that they need to talk about their own social, emotional learning, because we suddenly expect all these teachers to talk about this, to build hope, to talk Mm -hmm. about uh, anti-racism but they grew up not talking about it. And some of them aren't comfortable doing it, but then we expect them to do it. So we need to model it with the adults as leadership for them to be able to after, be able to model that with the kids. But that discussion piece is so important. The constant learning. So when we have staff meetings, when you put out those weekly newsletters, are you adding any information or any new tidbits or even any reminders about SCL. Are we talking to teachers right now about how to take care of themselves? Mm -hmm. Because I think right now the message out there is we have to do everything we can for kids. And it's true, but we're trying to make martyrs out of our teachers give up the balance in your life, give up everything because we're trying to do, but who's taking care of our staff and our adults so that they can be healthy and balanced to then talk to the kids about that. And so we need to, Sort of keep that priority. So I think if we have those discussions, but leadership shift that focus to your adults, and then ask your adults to shift that focus to kids. But if we don't have that full cycle, we're going to be in for a long haul battle here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we couldn't agree more. That's kind of what we're all about. Like if, yeah. if teachers aren't feeling good um, and they're not informed, they can't. They're not going to be able to help the kids. Um, and yeah, I like like it's full circle. <laughs> yeah um yeah yeah we couldn't agree more so what is the trend right now on all your twitter chats what's trending
2: um i try to change it up every time we go on we just celebrated our 100th chat uh, and so i think i sort of turned a few weeks at least the focus to joy and happiness because i think with everything going on uh trying to bring that focus back but i mean with everything going on, I'm trying to always think, okay, what do teachers need? And I talked to a lot of educators, okay, what's going on? What are you feeling? What's the need out there? And then I try to keep learning and bring that learning into the questions, into my Twitter chat. And I mean, sometimes it's a virtual conference I participated in that sparked something in me. I'm like, okay, I want to do a week about that. And uh, so right now, I think the focus is joy for now. Uh, sometimes I do a focus on, on balance and well-being. Uh, And sometimes it's even those courageous, those tough conversations. And I mean, I'm doing so much reading on anti-racism and talking even now with my grade 12 kids, we're talking about privilege and what it means to have male privilege and white privilege. And I think those same discussions have to happen between adults. And they're not always easy Mm -hmm. because I tell my kids, I'm like, Katie, in the past, this is what I've done or said that I shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And I think that honesty and that vulnerability is necessary Mm -hmm. even with students. And with adults because that's the only way that we can sort of move forward saying Do you know what I'm not perfect and I mean I'm not a fan I mean we often talk in education about edu heroes or edu rock stars and I'm not a fan because I'm not an expert I'm a learner I don't think there really are experts out there they're just people who like to learn and share mm-hmm. and if we see ourselves as almost equal because that's what stops people from Twitter chats I don't have anything that's worthy of saying or look what that person said. I can't say something that's equally as brilliant as that. We're all just educators learning and sharing. And so, I mean, when conference speakers come, they're just sharing what they've learned. They're sharing their story, their experience. We can all do it and we should all share. Mm-hmm. So not a fan of even being called an Edu star or anything because I'm just an educator who wants to share my story, just like both of you and just like any other educator out there
1: yeah and I I love that idea like I I do think you normalize it when you talk about it sometimes um, teachers prioritize content which is understandable because I think we have really limited time but um, it's kind of like the Maslow's before blooms you know they the kids aren't going to get the content if we don't put the time into the SEL and the teachers aren't going to be effective teaching if we don't do that as well so I love that yeah speaking of that in your real life how do you apply like sel in your you know both your professional life and your personal life
2: so i'm gonna preface this with <laughs> i'm not perfect and i fall off the wagon often mm. uh i'm someone who sometimes lets go of, of enough sleep to try and get things done it's not i'm not perfect i mm. i will settle but one thing that i've tried to keep up is uh the whole uh, health balance and finding time to exercise. So I think in the last two months, especially, I've been spinning almost every day. I have a spin bike in my basement. And I mean, sometimes I really don't feel like it, but I mm. try and at least if I can get 20, 30 minutes, uh, I will do what I can. And actually, uh, Tim Cavey, who uh, teaches on fire, he started a 10,000 push-up challenge for 2021. And I think we're we have to be about 150, 200 educators. And every day you have a goal and your goal is to get to 10,000 by the end of the year. I mean, I don't think I've ever done more than like 500 push-ups in a year. And right now, because of the community and I have a competitive spirit out there, uh, (laughs) I'm I'm almost at 5,000 right now. And so even prioritizing, so that's like in the last few weeks, it's between 100 and 200 a day. And I have to find time to do it. And I didn't think I was ever going to be able to do that. 100
0: and 200 push ups a day.
1: Yeah. That's amazing.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh.
1: That's That speaks to the power of community for sure. And the power of competition.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, First day, okay, I'm not winning. There's there's someone there that's over 10,000 already. I'm not going to win. But when I started, I think I did like 20 or 25 in a day. And that was like already an accomplishment. The fact that I'm here, I mean, it's that push with the community. It's building and seeing those numbers and saying, okay, I'm going to try. And today I'm going to try and do more. And the next day I'm going to try and do more. And it's okay if there's a day that I miss, because I mean, that's what life is. Sometimes you have to reorganize your schedule.
0: Roman, I love that. That's kind of inspiring me. You've given me some ideas with with for staff, like because I, I just people love that. That you know when people are like how many steps did you you know when you have like weight loss groups or step groups, but I've never yeah. heard of a push up group, but I, I like I that. that too. Now the big question is, can you do them on your knees?
2: <laughs> you know, I, there, there are no push up police's here. So uh, everyone, the whole point is to
0: just be active and support that's, each other. That's yeah. amazing. I mean, 100 to 200 a day. You're getting pretty strong.
2: I'm doing what I can, but I know that there are going to be days that I'm not going to be able to do any whatsoever. And I want, I'm learning because I'm a perfectionist. I'm learning to also say, do you know what? It's okay. And I mean, the month of January, I spend every single day and that was like my goal. I don't want to miss I have a calendar and I don't want to have like a hole in my calendar. In February, I couldn't do it. Things came up with school, my schedule for school changed. And I just had to sit back and say, it's Okay. I can't do everything. And that's a learning process for me as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. we have an episode like giving yourself grace.
2: Self-compa-
0: self-compassion is really, really huge. Yeah, you sound like you're like an all or nothing person.
2: Oftentimes, I, when I dream or I put something up, I dream big. So I remember like a few years back. Uh, so we have Terry Fox, who's an amazing uh, hero here in Canada who passed away from cancer. And his goal was to run across Canada Uh, to uh, get more funds for cancer research. That was in the 80s. And so now we're still celebrating every year the run that he didn't finish. I remember my school wanted to do something, and I'm like, okay, I want to think of something. And so crazy enough, I decided we're not far from Ottawa, the capital, and Terry Fox ran through our community towards Ottawa. So we ended up, I've done it five, five or six times. We walked with a group of students from my school, the Terry Fox statue in downtown Ottawa which is a 40 kilometer walk so it's basically a marathon and so I can't think small I have a hard time thinking small so (laughs) I mean kids were tired the next day we couldn't walk but (laughs) we've had an amazing amazing experience every time I've done it
0: oh I love that that sounds amazing I love that that you just you know do everything big that's a, good, that's a nice way to be. That's fun. That's fun. You have to dream, right? You have to dream. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Roman so if people want to get a hold of you, what is the best way if they want to connect with you?
2: Yeah. So the first and easiest way is through Twitter. I'm probably the most active on there. So it's at Novak N O W A K R O. I'm also on Instagram, which is Roman.novak. Uh, and then I also have a blog site, which is going to get a revamping uh, as soon as my school schedule changes again, because the hours that we have to put in lately are crazy. Uh, but I have a blog site, which is Uh I've sort of slowed down on writing in the last year with the book and everything, but I'm revamping and sort of doing a one-stop hub of all my resources, all the different quotes that I put out on social media, because... Something I started—I think now it's been three and a half years—is putting out one positive quote every morning, uh, and I haven't missed a day. And if I've gone to the cottage, I program my quote to not miss it. So three and a half years, and I think that's something that's important. But that it's going to be pretty much uh, Romanovac.com, but that's going to be sort of where I'm going to put all my resources, all my thinking, all my blogs, uh, everything that's that's my thinking is going to be that one-stop shop but that blog site for now is, is going to be home base.
0: Oh my gosh. That's amazing. And how about your book? When can we expect your book to be out?
2: So what I'm hoping if everything works out, I'm hoping uh, end of April, beginning of May, that's sort of where I'm aiming for. So it's, it's spring, 2021 is sort of the big
0: day. It's
2: going to be, when can I put all those finishing touches uh, on these words with uh, the crazy school schedule and family schedule, I have two daughters uh, trying to balance everything out and not miss a beat.
0: So did you say that it's published with Codebreakers?
2: Yeah, so Codebreaker, which is Brian Aspinall, uh, who's an author, uh, an educator, and he started uh, his own publishing company uh, less than two years ago now. And so uh, it's all about shattering status quo changing things, I am blessed to uh, have partnered with them. Actually, I signed the contract on Thanksgiving Day in Canada here. Uh, so it sort of a great moment of hope and everything. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's a code breaker. It has amazing resources uh, and an amazing website with uh, such a variety of educators that are out there putting kids books out there, uh, normalizing uh, math education uh, and leadership.
1: congratulations, Ron we're yeah, excited to read your book. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. We really learned a lot about, I think you're like a master connector.
2: <laughs> thank you so much for having me. But I think connection, even when we're talking about hope, connection is one of the biggest pieces, uh, building those relationships and, and that connection content with people and hearts and hope and dreams. And so I try every single day.